0: walk me into this wonderful world i'm excited
1: (laughs) man that could be the intro right there Buddy, welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with me today is first time guest, Gavin Verhey, senior designer on Magic the Gathering. How are you doing, man?
0: I am doing great, and I am so excited to be here. A lot of people know me from Magic, but actually theme parks are one of my great loves. I have used theme parks at many presentations. I've traveled to many myself. I'm a huge, huge fan.
1: Can you tell us more about that? Because I didn't know that, um, but a mutual acquaintance pointed that out about you. And I was like, holy crap, I need to get him on the show uh that's so cool so where did that love come from
0: yeah so i grew up in seattle i still live out here in seattle that's where where wizards of the coast is located but when i was a kid um my parents decided to bring me to disneyland and um you know when i was five six seven we'd go maybe every other year or so and um all the way up until my early early teens and i just always kind of loved it. i had really rosy memories of it um but then you know i i quote unquote grew up right i was like okay well i'm i'm (laughs) I'm past this stuff. Now flash forward, maybe seven years or so. I'm about 18, 19 and I'm dating this girl. And she's like, Oh, Hey, over, over the um, summer break in college, my family's gonna go to Disney. Do you want to come? And I'm like, well, whatever. It sounds like a fun thing to do. And I went back down and my world changed. Like my world has (laughs) never been the same since going back down with her because I fell in love with Disneyland again. Like, as a kid, it's one thing. It's like, oh, okay, you know, you, it's it's this you go on an attraction and you just have a good time and you don't really think too much about it. But as someone who is now seeing it seven years later, eight years later, when you're 18, 19 years old, not only am I uh, really enjoying the rides and everything, but the pure craft of it fascinated me. Like, if you go to a place like Disney, it's not just that the rides are good, it's the attention to detail in every single area is truly just master class. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that, that they make sure that people don't wear the wrong costumes in the wrong areas, right? You never see a person from Tomorrowland and Fantasyland on accident. The tiny little details in the architecture that, when you go into a place that you notice despite going on the ride for the 100th time, all of these very, very tiny things really speak to me. And, you know, for me as a game designer working on Magic, we have to come out with new releases every three months or so. Or We don't have to. We do because it's the right thing for Magic. (laughs) Um, And with, uh, with Disneyland in particular, Because so much of um, the base is annual pass holders, they also have to constantly reinvent themselves. And on a similar cycle, every three to four months, they're coming out with something new, even if it's just a quick refresh, right? Hey, come out, check out Pixar Pier or something. So anyway, I went down that time. I fell in love with it. Um, I ended up going down many more times over the next couple of years. And before I knew it, I was a Disneyland annual pass holder, despite the fact that I live in Washington State, not California. (laughs) And uh, I go down to LA all the time anyway, because I have a lot of friends down there and we do filming down there for magic. And I would just make it my thing. I'd go down for work, do work there Friday, Saturday for whatever thing we were filming. And on Sunday I would just go to Disneyland and um, I made tons of friends there. And actually I've been to every single Disney theme park in the world. I have been to um, uh, Florida, California, of course, Paris, Hong Kong, and shanghai and um i, I love all of them and, and tokyo as well of course okay i thought i got gotcha. to disney sea is my favorite theme park of them all and if you haven't been and you're listening to this you definitely owe it to yourself to go it is a theme park unlike no other and um has really cool stuff to explore my favorite of which is the volcano in the middle of the island that erupts at night it's really something to be seen and the food there is great too especially as an adult i think getting into the food and drink aspect of disney is a uh, is a good one i've spent many uh one too many nights maybe at uh, trader sam's at disneyland but (laughs) anyway uh yes so i love disney and then of course i've been to a lot of universal parks and Tivoli gardens the original theme park and uh, all kinds of other great stuff so i'm very well acquainted with the world of theme parks and i really care about not just the rides but the craft of the overall experience and uh, that's what i'm excited to talk about today
1: dude that is so awesome and and that's that's totally true i think kids I don't know if it's just because like their imaginations are so good and so vivid at that at that age um where they it kind of makes sense that that something like Disney World would exist or Disneyland would exist or any of the any theme park really to a kid I think kind of maybe matches the level of their imagination but then once you're an adult and you realize more like what reality does to your dreams and you're like this dream is so intact that you really appreciate it like this is a mint condition dream right here like they hired the (laughs) right people they put so much effort into this and so much craft like you said that's a great word every aspect of the theme park has been lovingly handcrafted by you know just an army of people an army of artists who have been able to make a career out of this who you know 100 150 years ago wouldn't have been able to get a job doing that but but they can now for sure. And that's what allows such magical places to exist. So that's really cool. And I also see a connection with magic. Um, listening to Mark Rosewater's podcast in particular, um, Magic the Gathering Drive to Work podcast, I'm an amateur game designer. That has been an inspiration for me too, appreciating the craftsmanship that goes into every new release of magic and the ongoing storytelling that that's able to be done there. Kind of similar, yeah. like you said, with with the Disney parks getting updated and refreshed. It's cool to see this ongoing continuity over time and references to previous things and connections through time through this ongoing medium, which is so cool. I think so many amazing works of art uh, are released and then they fizzle out. You know, it's kind of a one-hit wonder type of situation, but something like Magic and something like the Disney theme parks have been able to survive basically over generations. Um, I mean, Magic's not that old, but the number of sets is just incredible. And, you know, you're considered part of what the fifth, Uh, generation or the fifth wave of of magic the gathering designers but it still feels like you make such a big impact on it as as the generations progress it's it's so cool like imagineers today i'm sure have a lot of respect for what came before but the amount of of impact and the amount of next levelness of their current designs is so amazing and same thing with magic the gathering like cards that are coming out today couldn't have come out you know generations past um it's just so cool to see that that kind of march of progress and respect for what came before and references to what came before and also building towards the future. Oh, it's so cool when art has the right combination of things to just keep being successful over time and seeing what it can what its potential is. I think it's just amazing and something that's pretty rare too.
0: So yeah, I'm excited about having you on the show. you know, with Disney in particular I'm talking about those imagineers, like because I think they do such a great job of design. To me, they exemplify the design experience. And it's something as simple as when you walk into Disneyland at the uh, at the at the opening gates. Um, it's not quite true now, um, but it used to be that you could see the castle in the park from basically wherever you stood in the park. That was like the centerpiece. Except the one place you couldn't see it from, and that's still true today, is from the opening gates. You walk in and, that, and the railroad is right there and mm-hmm. you can't see the castle. So you kind of have to go around the corner and you hit Main Street and it just frames the castle perfectly. You right. have the castle with, you know, Walt's imagined Main Street up and down, the row and that's because walt wanted people to have this amazing opening moment of like turning the corner and seeing um and seeing this castle not unlike when we are working on a new magic product we want to make sure that we can craft the the new player experience to be wowed by something really cool and unique right out of the gates i also think there's a lot to do with problem solving one of my favorite stories is about haunted mansion at disneyland so um Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite rides. I absolutely adore the Haunted Mansion. I love how weird and neglected it is, and there's a lot of fun stuff there. Um, but uh, what happened is, there, the, Walt wanted to build it, and he went to his his team of engineers, and it's like, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's where it's going to be, and they're like, Walt, it's it's too big. We can't put it there. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Well, well, that that's where the train is, right? You can't you can't put a ride over the train. That's not gonna it's not gonna work very well. So Walt went back and thought about it and was like, okay, well, what if to get on the ride, they had to go underneath the train tracks? And that's why in Haunted Mansion, when you go into the room with all the portraits, you go down underneath the ride and you actually walk underneath the train tracks outside of the park. It is the only attraction that takes place actually outside of the Disneyland park. You walk under the train tracks outside the park to get on the Haunted Mansion, which is also, by the way, that of course, when you get off the ride, you have to go on the escalator up and out. And to me, uh, it's that kind of like restrictions breed creativity genius yes. of like, yeah, he, he did this. And in doing so, he may have created actually the most iconic part of the entire ride. Like when I think about the Haunted Mansion, the, thought, the thing I always think of is not even necessarily the, the doom buggy part. It's, it's going up uh, or going down in this elevator or the portrait stretching room. And those portraits are such an iconic part of the ride. And this would never have existed if he hadn't tried to solve it based on this restriction that was given to him. So uh, there's so many great stories about how the design was implemented in the park, both of course Disneyland and many other parks and i, I, I we can do a whole podcast of me just telling stories. I've been flown down <laughs> to Disney before um to be to show people around uh so i am wow. I am so all about this. I know the lore <laughs> of the park really well all the way to um all the way from the known facts to like the super theories like Jean Lafitte, which um, if you don't know who that is or what that means when it has to do with Disney, you're welcome to look it up because it is a fascinating super theory about a proposed uh, connection between rides.
1: Anyway, wow. uh, I love this stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. There is so much cool stuff you can look up and so many cool documentaries and YouTube videos about kind of Disney theme park secrets. And yeah, man, it's such a wealth of of inspiration, even just seeing those like the creative problem solving that went into it. That can be an inspiration to anybody, regardless of your line of work. Which is really cool. But yeah, so we're not here just to talk about Disney or just to talk about magic. We're actually here to talk about Doctor Who. Like, what's your connection with that series? Why did you come that, bring that show to this show? Yeah, you know, so I was invited on the cast, and I'm so
0: excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me. As as it's clear, I love theme parks. And I was trying to think about what would be fun to do a show about. And Magic, of course, is the obvious one. Like, I know Magic incredibly, incredibly well. But I, you know what? I could probably do a really fun show about something different and give kind of a different look at, at who I am. And um, for me, Doctor Who is a show that I was introduced to um, probably when I was about 20 years old, 19, 20 years old or so. And it really hit me at a, at a time that resonated. Um, you know, I wasn't a big TV watcher at the time and I hadn't really had much experience with British, um, British television. And this really caught me up in this kind of wave of, uh, anglophilia that was kind of going across the nation. Eventually we see this with shows like Sherlock as well. There were a lot of people my age getting really involved and really interested in this kind of British show. But so anyway, I, I got into, I got into Dr. Who. Uh, through a friend by watching the episode Blink. And if you've never seen Doctor Who at all and you have no familiarity with it, we should just go and watch the episode Blink. It's from the th- the, um, the third season, I believe, of, um, of the reboot. And the great thing about the, that episode is it requires no knowledge about the show to understand. In fact, it's all about a character who doesn't know the Doctor interacting with him, which makes it such a great on point. And it has one of the coolest villains in the show, one of the biggest monsters in the, in the show there. Um, and I watched that episode and I was hooked and I immediately started watching it. And it got to the point where I have cosplayed the doctor. I cosplayed the, the 10th doctor. I have uh, that outfit in the other room. I would have worn it today, except it is, um, 96 degrees in Seattle right now. So maybe not. And yeah. And, um, I've gone to all kinds of comic cons, including San Diego comic con cosplaying the doctor. I have met many people who have been on the show. I've met, um, uh, david Tennant. i've met matt smith i've met um i'm totally blanking on the name of the actress who played river song um amy rory uh it's karen gillan of course uh, all kinds of great folks from the show and i've even i even went to um the doctor who convention down in california um once as well and the the fandom is really really great and i've had a lot of great experiences getting to know these folks and i've made a lot of lifelong friends through it which is really really cool um the i think it would make a really great theme park though And the reason why I particularly brought it to this show, because every episode basically deals with a different world or a different time. And so you have a lot of great opportunities for rides. You have a lot of great opportunities for themed areas. You can do do, do different planets or different time periods. You have very iconic symbology, right? The TARDIS is Doctor Who. I mean, when you see a TARDIS, you think of that show. And so there's a lot there you can do with that as far as like photo opportunities go. With themed food, of course, you have a very wide gamut of things across time and alien races. And then speaking of the races, you've got the monsters. And there are so many cool and iconic (laughs) monsters in Doctor Who. In fact, you could argue that the monsters at some point are more iconic than the main characters themselves because the main characters shift over time, but the monsters stay eternal. And um, you could build some really cool stuff, I think, with those alongside the park. So there's, there's, I think, so much you could do here, and it's a really rich, untapped vein. But the first time I ever went to um, uh, Britain... I was like, there's one thing I have to do while I'm here. And I took the train all the way to Wales, which is so far away from London, like very far out there. And they had um, the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff in Wales. And it's not a theme park, um, but it's mostly just a museum, right? You go through and you see all the memorabilia and things. But the first part you walk through is like a maybe three minute tour or so that's like in the doctor's world, and to me that was the coolest thing. Right, you're walking down this corridor, and you're seeing monsters show up, and you're hearing the theme music, and I, I just had tingles up and down my spine from doing that. And after doing that, I know you could create something cool today. And it's a show with enough of a legacy, and enough of a history, and enough of a fan base that I think you could absolutely support a theme park
1: for it. Absolutely, no, you're totally right. And there's so much potential with the series. Like for one, it's been going since 1963, which is amazing. I mean, there was there have been hiatuses, hiatus. I anyway. Um, there have been breaks, but the show is about time travel and they change actors every, you know, pretty regularly. So they're just not bound by much at all, which to me makes it really impressive because I know that, uh, you know, restrictions and limitations breed creativity. A show like Doctor Who can be about anything. You can start an episode with a character no one's ever seen before in a world no one's ever been to before. And then, you know, as long as the Doctor shows up at some point, um, it's it can be a Doctor Who episode, so it's just it's crazy the the limitless possibilities the the blank page that must uh, haunt new you know writers to the series must be really intimidating. But then also you have so much history to pull from into reference, like we've talked about with Disney and with Magic. Um, there's so much that the fans love that we can pull from, and each of those characters and each of those items has has such a rich history, and they've appeared over the generations into different actors playing the different Doctors, which are referred to as different doctors like the first doctor the 10th doctor etc um so yeah there's so much to get into man and speaking of getting in i was thinking the tardis um which is his time traveling spaceship sorry their time traveling spaceship because the doctor has uh been is currently being played by female um so the doctor can change genders which is pretty cool but uh the spaceship is shaped like a an old-fashioned british police box and it's bigger on the inside like it looks like a basically like a telephone booth and you open it and it's a spaceship in there space and time traveling machine. So I was just thinking it'd be really simple and obvious to have the entrance to a lot of attractions, be a TARDIS. You open the door and you walk through and it's a TARDIS and you walk in and you're there's, there's a whole ride exhibit or, or a whole uh, attraction within it. That could even be the entrance to the theme park. And that reminds me, there's this really buck wild Grocery store in Cincinnati, Ohio. If anyone ever is there for like a layover or something, um, it's called Jungle Gyms, and the restrooms look like it's a porta potty inside the store. You open the door, and it's like a world class, like one of the nicest bathrooms I've ever been into. But you walk in through a porta potty, and then it's this big fancy thing. So basically, that same idea would would make much more sense in a Doctor Who experience like this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the fact that the the TARDIS, the spaceship is the link between worlds, the link between times, makes it a great entry point, whether it's the entrance into, into the theme park or for individual rides. Um, the, it could even be the vehicle that you sit in for the rides, right? You go in one and then it, it takes you it takes you somewhere. Or yeah, you just simply walk through the door. Um I think there's a lot to play around with there because it really is like the link between worlds which i think is very
1: very cool and if we didn't have it like the the fact that it looks like a police box is kind of an accident the the tardis is supposed to have a thing called a chameleon circuit that allows it to blend in with its environment and in fact other time lords tardises actually do that they function properly but the doctors is broken to where it just looks like this one thing so that's our one kind of consistent thing throughout the series and throughout time and space is there's going to be a blue police box there which is so funny but yeah we we can definitely use that as an entrance throughout the park because it's such an icon. We could also have other attractions that are hidden in other Tardises that are disguised to look like a column or a grandfather clock or a fireplace. So we can have secret entrances. My inner child is like obsessed with secret entrances, and secret passages. <laughs> Those can be everywhere, man. It's exciting.
0: You know, a big thing for me about rides is a queue. I think the queue is often a very underrated discussion point when it comes to attractions, but especially if you're waiting in line for an hour plus, having something that looks really cool to look at and is really immersive, I think it goes a long way. And to me, that's one of Disney's big strengths is their queues are always incredible. Um, and uh, so doing a lot here with, the, with something like the TARDIS, I think is, is really, really fun. You know, when you think, you're absolutely right that, that's a consistent thing that you can go through because the doctor's face changes, as you mentioned, usually the doctor has companions with him between one and three different companions, depending on the situation. But those always go away in some capacity. Um, But the things that stay consistent are the TARDIS. And then in some cases, the monsters and um, those monsters are are so iconic. I would want to see them in these rides for sure. And you could have different monsters um, showcased in different rides.
1: Absolutely. The, um, the statues from Blink uh, would be such a cool attraction, even just as like a, like there's a kids' game called like Red Light Green Light, where you, whenever you're turned around, the other people can move. And then when you turn around, they have to freeze. And I don't, we could definitely replicate that in almost like a haunted house, like a horror type atmosphere, which is what those episodes typically are, like a mini horror movie. Um, I just think that would be so creepy in real life. Uh, If you see these angel statues and once you turn around, they start moving and those can either be really good actors or they could just be, you know, like a VR type of experience where you could get really, really good. And literally the instant you turn past a certain point, they all freeze like that would be so creepy to actually experience. Yeah,
0: to me, the um, the best Doctor Who villains um, are the ones that prey on your senses. Mm. And what I mean by that is the weeping angels, the ones that you're discussing, are are so frightening because they're totally inanimate statues. No problem, as long as you're looking at them, and they can only move while you uh, while you can't see them. They're, I think they're quantum locked, is the term the show uses. Um, but so it, it just, it preys on your sense of sight, right? It's like, well, you can always see everything. You can see what's happening, except if you blink, and that's where the name of that episode comes from, they will start moving toward you and you turn your back and it's very dangerous. And there's so much you can do with that, especially on a dark ride, right? There's like a ton of fun to be had there. I think, I think another, um, you know, another villain that plays in that space for me, although it's definitely gonna be harder to replicate in a ride, are the silence. So the silence are these um, enemies that um, you only remember while you're looking at them, but the moment you stop seeing them, you forget that they were there. And so there's this one, there's this one scene. I think it's one of the best scenes um, in the fifth season, where Amy Pond, who is one of the Doctor's companions, is in a room, and um, she sees a silence in somewhere in the room. And so she's like, "What am I supposed to do?" So she t- grabs a pen and makes a tick mark on her arm to show that there's like, "Okay, I've seen a silence." And so then, like, she's she's going through, walking around this room or whatever. And then at one point, like a minute in your time later, she looks down and her arm is just covered in tick marks. And it's just like bone chilling moment of like, oh, she's seen it a bunch of other times. She she doesn't remember it and you don't know it because you didn't see them either. And like that kind of thing is so powerful. And like, I think when it comes to a dark ride, there's a lot of fun to had with um, villains like those two. Um, The ones that like really, really prey on, on the senses that we love memory and, and sight and things like that they're
1: so like psychological and kind of creepy and i was wondering how you could try to replicate something like that um i've been considering what role the park guest would play like are they a time lord are they a human do they have some time lord dna as some humans have been known to have throughout the series um how do we allow a, a human to go through these these experiences or maybe they could just be kind of like going through tryouts to be a companion for the doctor or
0: something like that yeah i feel like the motif for the park just given how the show is structured is that you are the companion right Mm -hmm. because that's kind of how the whole show since the beginning has been structured there's the doctor um they go on adventures and then the companion is the audience surrogate more or less and so to put you in that role as you're experiencing all these things, I think is really cool. And then of course, you know, when you're out walking around the park, you see people dressed like the doctor, people dressed like the companions walking around. You can interact with. But on the rides themselves, that's how I imagine the ride voice being. Right when when the ride is talking to you, is um, as as the companions. And um, I, I think I think there is a, a lot a lot of fun to to be had with that. Um, you know, I could see uh, when you walk into the park, getting some kind of companion journal of like tasks you get to try and do. Um one thing that Disney did in Star Wars land, uh, excuse me Galaxy's Edge, I have to kick myself of that habit. Thank you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> in in Galaxy's Edge is um there's an app you can download when you go into the park uh, on your phone and then many things in the in the area that area of the park are interactable. So you can walk up to a crate and scan it and it will um give you a new item for your character that you're building on your phone. All the way down to, I think, one of my favorite moments at any Disney theme park ever um, was when I went on um, Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon ride at Disney. And um, after the ride, my phone had his Bluetooth on. and had the app open and it beamed the credits I got from that ride into my account. So it knew that I ran them, right? And then later I was walking around the park and I went to uh, the tavern that was there, Ogus Tavern. And I'm sitting down and like the, the waiter is like, oh, man, looks like you had a rough run at the ride back there. And I realized it was because they knew what my score was based on, like Bluetooth-based information, or maybe it was a lucky guess—I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it felt like this really, really cool moment. And I right. bet we could do something cool like that here, totally, with uh, some kind of app. And in fact, there's even a Doctor Who monster from an episode. Uh, speaking of things that are scary, it's a monster that lives in Wi-Fi. Now, Wi-Fi is everywhere today. At a theme park, it's going to certainly be everywhere. Imagine if there was some mini game you could play on your phone that has to do with attacking this Wi-Fi-based monster. And that could be really fun, plus a great way to kill time in queues.
1: Yeah, that's so much fun. I love those kinds of things, especially if it's something special within the park and it's not too much of a distraction. Like like you said, there's if you think about your time you actually spend in most theme parks, you're in line a lot of that time, like maybe a third of the time um, spent in the park can be in a queue, which kind of sucks. But we can try to make those moments fun with well-designed queue areas, you know, where you're getting to uh, engage with with the fandom, with the series. Um, or play some sort of little interactive game. And we could do several different things here. Like I was thinking when you first brought out the notebook, I was like, what if the notebook um, has some kind of reactive paper, or if it's an app, it's much easier to do, where at a certain point, you look at it, and it's basically like the tick marks of showing how many times you've seen the silence. And everyone's is just a different number of tick marks. And like, if you get to a certain point, something, you know, bad's going to happen or whatever. So you have to try to figure out how to stop them before that happens. And you might, you know, open your app or open your notebook and you already have like almost all the tick marks. Like the page is just full already. And you're like, what? I don't remember any of this happening, but we can like give the character, uh, give the part guest a character history that already happened without their control. Cause they didn't even know what was happening. Like that's pretty, that's like a way you can kind of surprise people. I think with, who their character is that they're playing Um, but it also would be cool to have interactive stuff sort of like at the wizarding world of harry potter um basically we could do something with the sonic screwdriver which is the magical multi-purpose tool that the doctor uses um and there's other variations of it there's even like the sonic sunglasses which have the same abilities of a sonic screwdriver but aren't as um you know Screwdriver-shaped,
0: Sonic lipstick, yeah,
1: yeah. The Sonic lipstick. There's like a uh, a parasol at one point that basically has some some of the same powers, but basically it's just anything that the Doctor needs to interact with. Not only unscrewing things, but lighting candles, uh, operating any kind of machine. Basically, it can basically solve anything. It's kind of a, a Deus Ex Machina uh, type of device. It can hack things. It can be used as a flashlight. It can generate metal. It can do all kinds of like magical, whimsical stuff. And it has such potential that it's like hard to kind of imagine what you need this tool for, but because it can be used in so many diverse situations, but having some things that are interactive with it throughout the park would be really cool. So I don't think we should have the park guests actually walking around with it, but maybe they pick one up in a room and it can be used in that room to solve a puzzle, kind of like something you'd find in an in, in escape room where it's like, this is the key, you just have to find the lock now. Um, I think that'd be really fun to kind of have small areas like that, like maybe a queue area that is interactive with specific kinds of tools like this is a way you get to use the sonic screwdriver or the sonic lipstick that you won't get to use anywhere else in the park but it helps solve an issue here in the room or or shows you an easter egg here in the room
0: yeah i mean uh, you know you mentioned wizarding world with harry potter and in in doctor who the sonic screwdriver is basically a magic wand that is basically essentially what it is it's like oh we needed to solve a problem good thing we've got this magic wand Um, to, to, to the point where it was actually such a problem that in uh, a recent season, they basically had the doctor go without the sonic screwdriver for a while because it was just like it's it's kind of a silly device to have around when it solves everything. Um, so I, I was thinking something very similar to Wizarding World of Harry Potter where you can you can go purchase a wand from a store, a screwdriver from a store, and then you have things around the park that allow you to interact with it, which sounds really, really cool to me, right? Either in a ride queue or even something's outside of the ride queue, you, you know, just little things you can make twirl or light up or um, whatever the case might be. I think that kind of thing is pretty fun. And especially with this object is pretty akin to what happens in the show. I mean, you mentioned secret passageways earlier. Imagine a passageway that can only be opened this way. That could be really, really cool.
1: And then, so of course, great. the
0: business person in, in me is like, ooh, merchandise. You
1: know? <laughs> right? Well, it also makes sense. I was kind of worried, like, well, the doctor can do almost anything with this one tool at any point. There's no way we can replicate that in the park. but you're a human you're you're just like maybe a newbie companion you have no clue how to use this thing of course the doctor could make it do whatever you they want to but you can't you can make it maybe do one thing if you try you know so it could be like kind of a a, a comedy i think is always added when you take away skill you're like i have this amazing magic (laughs) wand but i can only do kind of goofy little things and i'll see what what happens here um so yeah i kind of like that like making the park guests feel like they, they have a little bit of power, but they still have no clue what they're doing their way, you know, out of their depth. Um, and they really need the doctor in order to be safe and to help really like help them survive <laughs> against these monsters.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that is also kind of akin to how the wand works in wizarding world of Harry Potter, where it's like, you're not a wizard yet. You know, you're still new. <laughs> you just got your wand to all of
1: You don't know all the spells, but you can, you can do a few cool things. And I think, I think that's pretty neat. Absolutely. um, Yeah. So there are tons of monsters that we can have uh, build experiences around. And there's also tons of doctors and several other time lords, which I didn't realize I've, I've watched maybe one season of the show. Um, and there is so much his, history that I've gotten into through Wikipedia. I'm in love with Wikipedia, by the way, um, there are so many cool characters that are, that are time lords that you only see a couple times. times. Um, but just that, that history and that race is so interesting and like, what does it mean to a culture if they have time travel from the very beginning? Like, that's just, it's a fascinating sci-fi prompt, which I imagine why, is why Doctor Who has continued for so long, is there's, it's such a blank canvas. You can add so much stuff. You know, you have a tool that does anything, a Doctor who can be anyone, and you can travel anywhere in space or time. <laughs> like, you can do anything you want to here. So it's uh, its just cool. I think it'd be neat to also give some attractions to the Doctors and maybe even other Time Lords, you know, where, where in the narration of the ride you're being whisked away on this scary thrilling journey but the doctor is there to like reassure you or protect you or like maybe you need to help the doctor to solve some kind of issue or to point out where the bad guys are or shoot the bad guys or you know whatever you can have all kinds of dark ride uh and 4d roller coaster type experiences
0: thinking about the theme park i was like what are a couple of rides that i would immediately have And i think that one ride you definitely want is something that is kind of an ode to traveling and the history of the show um so one ride which shows off every doctor incarnation somehow and has you go to a bunch of, of different places i think would be really incredible um this is kind of this is a bad example because what, what you're gonna imagine in your head when i say this is way jankier than what i'm imagining <laughs> but if you take the main ride at Epcot, the whatever it's called, the thing in the um, the thing in the little glass dome. Uh, what what is that ride called? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Um, but anyway, it's it's basically you go through history, right? You like go very slowly go carousel up, and you see like carousel <laughs> progress. There we go. You see like people signing documents back in you know hundreds of years ago. Whatever. Anyway, imagine something kind of like that, but with like way better animatronics and um, effects for the different Doctors, right? You start at the first Doctor, you work all the way up to the current Doctor, and you get to see like a really uh, pivotal scene from their time played out in front of you. And I think that would be really, really cool as an ode to the Doctors and maybe some of their companions as well. Um, But that kind of historical ride, I think is pretty cool for setting context and um, getting that nostalgia in there. It could also be a more slow moving ride. I think that you always want a juxtaposition of some fast rides and some slow thrilling rides. And um, for me, this is something that's like, yeah, you know, you get in a car, it's cool, it's a dark ride maybe, but you go through um, all the different uh, all the different things that you see. The, the second ride I would absolutely have, though, is much more of a thrill ride, and that is going to be like, I'll call it Escape from the Daleks or something like that. I don't know if, that, if that's actually right. Um, it could be Escape from the Weeping Angels, who knows, but it's a fast-moving ride that, is, that has some monster chasing you, like you were in a tight spot, right, and it's you and the doctor, and you have to get out of the situation somehow. Maybe a companion's there, too. And to me, like, those are, like, two really iconic and yet very different parts of the series. One is the, like, oh, here's the history and all the people and the places we've been to. And one is the, like, classic, we are in a pinch. We have got to solve this problem now. How are we escaping this spaceship with Daleks on it when, you know, all, all bets are off? I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. Um, and, uh, you know, you can do a lot of really cool special effects, especially... Um, I mean, I am currently in love, and I know they're hard to do, but I'm currently in love with the trackless ride systems that things like Apu's Honey Hunt in Tokyo use or the newest Star Wars ride um, use. And I bet you could do some really great stuff with a trackless ride system here to give you the effect of seeing different areas uh, um, and seeing like making the spaceship seem incredibly vast, like you're never really sure where you're going into. Um, I think there's a lot to play around with there when it comes to, to a spaceship full of monsters.
1: Right. Absolutely. That sounds so fun. And there is so much, so many different things. Like you could absolutely fill a whole, you know, museum with these artifacts and with references and Easter eggs. So being able to pepper those in throughout would be so cool. And, and real, you know, diehard fans of the series will want to wait through every queue line to be able to see those artifacts and kind of collect those things, you know, within their app or whatever, um, trying to help. The doctor as much as possible and to see as many of the the villains and bad guys as possible um, I think it'd be so cool to do kind of escape room type things like where you actually go into the TARDIS and the TARDIS tends to look different over time you know throughout the decades so it'd be cool to have different experiences that are kind of role-playing type experiences within each of those and actually it might even be cool to do um, the transition between doctors there's usually like a a regeneration episode there's a plot specific reason for why the actor is changing and it's usually because they face such like a, a huge uh, insurmountable foe or situation like they're really really in a pinch and they have to kind of semi-sacrifice themselves in order to save humanity which the doctor is not human but really loves humans for some reason and really wants to protect planet earth although they're not from here so it's, it's kind of an interesting thing lucky for us spends a lot of time in britain you yeah know. yeah specifically that's where they picked up the yeah.
0: weirdly convenient weirdly um, convenient
1: but no i think that it'd be really cool to maybe even be able to interact with some of those moments where it's like a really tense really dire situation for the doctor that ends with either you save the day or the doctor has to sacrifice themselves either way makes progress within the story of doctor who does this current doctor get to live to fight one more day or is this kind of doctor kind of going to regenerate into a new uh new actor so it could even be like prompts or role play situations inspired by the final episode of each of those doctors seasons um because those are usually really cool like feels like a feature film style plot um with with really insurmountable odds and then they have to come up with something you know on the fly to solve the problem with which is the doctor's style but it'd be really fun as someone interacting with and playing as uh, the, one of their companions, you have to kind of help in those moments or maybe help to make decisions uh, either in like an escape room situation where you're just solving a puzzle or just as a role-playing thing where you need to decide some really important decision where the fate of the world hinges on this choice. And so it's kind of a tense, um, almost like a really serious heavy board game or tabletop experience. I think that'd be really cool to uh, to get, you know, get your heart and get your brain really going into a storyline. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Originally,
0: I had imagined something more along the lines of, like, a show. You know, you think of, like, Indiana Jones Stone Spectacular or um, uh, any of the number of kind of live-action shows that various theme parks might have. And that made a lot of sense to me. But I think that something that could be more hands-on, like you mentioned an Escape Room, uh, is really powerful. I don't know if you've had the chance to do it yet, but the lightsaber-building experience um, in Galaxy's Edge is truly transcendent. That is a phenomenal experience. Um, it is small groups only, right? So you're very limited in who can do it. And, it's, and it is unfortunately money gated to some degree. Um, but if you could do something like that here, where there's an escape room you can buy tickets to, uh, that sounds amazing, right? You walk in, there's a, there's an actor playing the doctor there who's going to help you out in this escape room. And the escape room is the TARDIS or whatever location you choose. Um, to me, that as a fan, that would be like, are you kidding I had to walk on to the bridge of the TARDIS with the do- the doctor there and we get to like solve a puzzle together that would be incredible that would be completely transcendent um and so I I love where that's going and I think that creating those more-, more personalized experiences is something really powerful um that theme parks can do and you know if you can get the gating of people to work properly is really powerful when done right and I would love to see that here
1: Yeah that'd be such a cool premium experience cuz then you can have an actor who's good at portraying the doctor and maybe they're not in the escape room with you, but they can be the one who introduces the story to you. And then, you know, maybe they have to go into like one of those healing comas because they're like damaged really you know, intensely, but they need, they outline the problem for you and then they like freeze or they, you know, have they have to go somewhere else to go fight something else and they'll come back and hopefully you've solved the problem by then. Like that kind of thing would be so cool to be able to interact with the doctor, you know, ask some questions or like, more than just like get an autograph signed or like get your picture taken out as with like a walk around character i think the ones within the experiences would be really really cool to see and yeah it would be it it also helps as far as like uh pandemic proofing uh is to have smaller experiences (laughs) like that which unfortunately does tend to require additional money but you know that's okay i think this is gonna be uh, well it's all hypothetical anyway so luckily you know everyone's really wealthy these days and things are just going super smoothly and uh everyone can afford to go here and buy everything they want to so that'll be really nice um exciting things yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely right it's in the future it's six years from now there's no pandemic absolutely no (laughs) i I think there's a lot of of fun to be had there i think the more time you can um build in those like nice close intimate experiences the the more the more promise you can find As a fan of any property, when you go to, when you go to a theme park like that, the thing you always want the most is to just for a moment, for a brief fleeting moment, forget that this isn't real, right? You just want to be like, for for one second, this is actually a thing, and you could very easily create that here, just like that. Like when you're doing the lightsaber thing at Star Wars Land, right? It's like this is like brief, brief moment of like, I am actually a Jedi Knight. This is awesome, <laughs> and the closer you can come to that here. Um, I think I think the better it's going to be.
1: Right. That suspension of disbelief. We were talking earlier about how um, a kid's perspective of of a really good immersive themed entertainment thing. They tend to maybe um, be more forgiving of like lower tier immersion, immersion, where they're like, this is fun. I'm on a roller coaster. I can imagine that I'm Harry Potter or whatever they want to be. Um Whereas an adult has more of an issue with that. They see the seams. They see how the thing works. Their first instinct is like, how does that magician do that thing? You know, we have this kind of inquisitive mind, especially those of us who have done creative projects, um, I think have more of an eye for how did they create this thing? Like, what can I learn from this? So being able to uh, kind of not require a suspension of disbelief, at least at certain points where you can kind of get more immersive, that would be really cool as like a... A guideline and I, I think the audience of this theme park and the audience of the show tends to be more adult than a lot of other things um it's it's not as kiddie there are a lot of monsters there's a lot of like cool toys that kids would want to play with but i think most of the fans at least that i've encountered in my life are adults um so having the experience aimed squarely at that um where maybe there's not as many thrill rides and there's not like a bunch of video games everywhere we could aim for like a higher class kind of experience which hopefully would be more immersive um and because we don't need to have pyrotechnics everywhere things can look more real and and be more to scale and more natural and i think that'd be a really interesting uh you know theme park design challenge for our imagineers uh is they're not targeting just kids they're targeting mostly adults so the goal is realism instead of a kind of uh magical designed realism that's actually pretty fake looking objectively although it's really amazing what they've done they weren't going for one to one scale immersion that was a lot of yes yeah. <laughs> no I, I, absolutely you know i think it it does depend to some degree too because
0: even though i think you know you and i probably interacted with a lot of older doctor who fans one of the greatest strengths of the, of the show is it is a show that people can watch as a family and there are a lot of kids who do enjoy it so like hit, straddling that 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 area right of like being cool for the older fans also having enough for the younger fans is really important. And I could see, you know, even a younger focused area at some point. Um, you know, like a ride that is intended toward a younger audience, which maybe that like exploratory ride, walking through all the doctors would be as a as a great history lesson. But um there, there's a lot to be had there. Um so you know, we, we've covered we've covered monsters a little, little bit. I think we would have them in the rides, then also they'd be wandering around, right? You'd see some Daleks rolling down the street or something like that. Um, as well as various actors and characters. I think we've covered like experiences. Um, to me, a part I always get really excited about with theme parks, though, is the food. I don't know why I'm just a huge food <laughs> theme, theme park person. I love thinking about all the cool restaurants and like really unique stuff, stuff you can spin up. Um, I don't know where you where you sit on theme park food. I
1: think it's it's cool. I haven't had much of it that's actually themed. Um, I live in Indiana, and there's a lot of theme parks in Ohio, but they're all just like collections of roller coasters for the most part um so there's not any themed food that i've had there um but things like renaissance fairs like i think that's way more impressive for like what they are doing at, at pandora um doing going the themed food route i think is fascinating and it's an area where any theme park can really stand out from a lot of the competition because it's a thing that a lot of places don't think about there's like uh hot dogs and cotton candy whatever like things they've been doing for a hundred years in theme parks we'll just keep doing that um i think it's that's not really acceptable to a modern theme park or a modern audience they want to see something different something they can you know take pictures of and something that will will further immerse them within this world and something that'll be unique so yeah what what ideas do you have i can't picture a ton of specific food from the series yeah i feel like
0: you know, I, I don't think you're gonna get a ton of specific food. I mean, you might get a few a few items here and there, but I think more about the environments you consume it in and unique things that that happen to you. Um, and you know, the, the, the close analog for me here is Ogus Cantina at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Because once again, you get that kind of like melting pot of uh of, of all these different races and maybe even times to some degree um there. And so I think having a restaurant that's like this Galaxy's um, this cantina of some kind would be really fun. And you can do a lot of fun there with drinks. I think, you know, as you mentioned, there are some older fans here. And so having somewhere that does serve alcohol, a dedicated restaurant, perhaps could be really nice for that reason. Um, And then I would also have at least one restaurant that is dedicated to a different time period. We've talked a lot about the space and monsters so far, but not so much different times. And the great thing about this is we can pick anywhere we want, right? So I don't know exactly where I would choose, but I would pick something that we think could be really resonant. It could be dinosaurs everyone always loves dinosaurs in the cretaceous period it could be the future right maybe some very nice futuristic restaurant i think that's always really fun um or even could just be sometime they're not too, too too distant past right it's the 20s but something like that um i think would be really really cool as a as another moment to transport you out of time i mean i think of my favorite theme park restaurants i think of like carthay circle at california adventure which is this um 19 uh, 1930s, I think. No, it had to be later than that. 1940s, maybe, themed restaurant that you walk in in California Adventure and you just forget that you're at a theme park. Like there's chandeliers and waiters dressed up nice and, you know, all kinds of history everywhere. And um, that moment where you just forget you're in a the theme park is always so powerful. Yes. And so um, finding things like that, I think to do that really immerse you um, in an environment uh, would be very cool to do here. Right,
1: and that's a, a moment when I think people kind of put their guard down so to speak or they're just focused on their party that they came with and the food that they're enjoying and they kind of like you said it's a time to like let your guard down and kind of forget that you're in a theme park and it is a moment to grab them and immerse them further so i think that'd be really cool and the really early episodes of doctor who were much more they kind of had like an educational kind of tilt to them where it was just about exploring different time periods Um, which is something i really love about the assassin's creed games by the way is like you just get to dive into this different time period And those games were what made me want to make video games when I was first uh, going to college. I was like, I want to do things like this that are that are educational, but they're really immersive and they're actually fun to do. And you just kind of accidentally learn stuff like you get tricked into learning stuff. So anyway, this would be a good moment to highlight maybe really important moments through uh, like culinary history, culinary history, uh, which would be really cool to do. To have food from around the world in the same theme park, but it's also throughout time. So maybe there's an area that's not currently well known for their food scene, but set it three hundred years from now, and you can make it whatever you want to. And you can introduce the audience to really new themes of food, you know, different flavor profiles, different kinds of of food. You know, maybe there's a restaurant that uses a lot of really unusual vegetables, or like um they use some kind of sci-fi type stuff like they do at Galaxy's Edge and at, at Pandora. Um, I that stuff would be so fun to to design and come up with and then you can kind of sprinkle them throughout the park or you can have kind of a really crazy fancy food court <laughs> which has like maybe several different tartises. some of them look like police boxes and some of them are just like everyday objects that are secret passages into these different themed areas because you're traveling through time when you open that door and now you're in this area that you know the doctor is kind of curating um, like I imagine, if the doctor was really trying to impress a date, they could do a really cool like bar crawl or like, you know, restaurant hopping, going through all these different amazing restaurants throughout time and space. So just give that to our park guests and let them go crazy. I think that would be so much fun.
0: I, I just imagined as you were talking, like the food court of time is what I thought of in my head, which is like the, a really ridiculous thing. You know, there's this restaurant I went to in London uh, that's a, it's pretty fancy, but it's really nice. Uh, It's pretty fun. It's called a dinner, which is maybe the most unoriginal name for a dinner restaurant ever. It's called Dinner um, by Heston Blumenthal, who is the chef there. And the way the restaurant works is um, every item on the menu is an item actually taken from an old recipe they found in a cookbook somewhere. And it'll say on the menu, like, hey, this is um, pigeon, as we found in this book in some ancient attic from the 1400s. And this is we're gonna cook it exactly like how they're gonna cook it just with modern day ingredients more or less. maybe like one t- tiny tweak um, for modern day cooking. Wow. And um I bet you could you do something like that really cool here. where it's, or it's like you sit down at, at the nice restaurant in the park or whatever. And it's like, hey, here's your menu of time. And you're like, here's um, I don't know, uh, th- this ancient kind of bread as was made in Egypt, you know, thousands of years ago, and you you keep flipping your pages and you kind of go through like various menu items as they appeared over the years until eventually, you hit like twenty fifty, and then you hit a twenty, you know twenty two hundred. You hit three thousand, right? And wow. then like you get this whole span of really fun stuff. And you can order everything from like yeah, you know, Egyptian style bread to like uh, some really weird, fancy looking food that's like a cake or something like that. Um, that and great. that could be really, really fun.
1: Maybe the middle part of the food court, like where if you want something from various different restaurants, can be like the inside of the TARDIS. And you can like ask your, you know, you can, or you make your order to the waiter and they go to the ancient Egyptian TARDIS and they like grab different things from different places, like, and then bring it and serve it at the same table. So you can have a meal that's been gathered throughout space and time all on the same table if you want to.
0: That's pretty cool. I mean, it, it could either be cheesy or awesome and maybe a bit of both, but uh, it, it definitely, definitely has my attention.
1: That's Dr. Who to me, I think the, uh, yeah, it was my first British TV show too. And I was like, man, what? What kind of cameras are they using on this show? Like some of the things seem kind of cheesy, especially if you're watching an older season. Um, but it is still really amazing and, and really sparks imagination, at least for me. I think it's a really cool, cool series. And it, it does have a little bit of cheesiness to it, but I think that's something really unique about it. There's not a ton that's cheesy about the Star Wars experience, for example. You know, it's pretty straight and there's funny moments, but it's pretty self-serious. Um, whereas the doctor is is pretty comfortable making jokes about themselves.
0: It, it's, it has a built-in level of camp. And I think everyone kind of recognizes that to some degree. And actually, when it's gotten too serious, um, quite often people are like, oh, actually, I actually wish it was a little more campy. So I think that's like an integral part of the of the show's identity. Well, uh, one more thing I, I just want to say before we get off of food, because this is always super important to me, is whenever I go somewhere, especially if it's more sci-fi themed, and they have some drink or food that like changes my senses in a really interesting way it blows my mind so like at um at uh galaxy's edge at oga's cantina they have one drink with like this numbing numbing uh foam that you like drink the numbing foam and then your mouth is like partially numb as you drink the rest of the drink it makes it taste very very differently um and so doing something like that or something with miracle berries which if you've never had them before are these little berries you can take um, they're they're totally natural. It's not like a weird drug thing, even though they're called miracle berries. And it changes um, basically for the next few minutes. You'll taste everything sour as sweet. So you can like bite into a lemon or whatever. Something like that, I think would feel so wild and futuristic of like, yes, here is your dinner. It is um, a lemon. Take this berry first and then chop into it. Your mind will be blown. Like that's the kind of magic which would be super
1: fun to experience. I love that idea. And some of my friends and I did that too. I think it was a, maybe a cards against humanity box or something. I got some miracle berry, like tablets, which it felt like a total drug thing. Like you were kind of referencing, like my, my wife and my friend and I, we went to the grocery store and we bought like bread and like everything pickled, like one of each thing from the pickle area, like pickled okra and pickled jalapenos and all these pickled things and a bunch of sour things. And so we had the weirdest like grocery checkout experience. They're like, why are these people buying all these really intense flavored things? And then we just, we had the miracle berries and we ate them and like white bread tastes like cake and, you know, lemon takes, tastes like, I don't know, lemonade. Like it's really sweet lemon experience. And so, yeah, that would be such a cool thing to either incorporate those or maybe have an appetizer that has those baked into it. Um, to where you give you get this really bizarre way of doing it, yeah, that gives it a totally alien sensation.
0: Yeah, pop rocks too, is the other, is the other classic one. That, that yes,
1: right, and, or like uh, spun things, like things that are made like cotton candy. There, if you watch yeah. like really fancy shows on like a food channel, you'll see all those crazy like gastronomic things that they do. Um, those could make for really cool sci-fi foods for sure. this is going really, uh, efficiently. Like we're covering, we covered everything so quickly. Like what, what else from the doctor who universe, uh, do you really want to uh, make sure we hit here?
0: We, you know, we talked about, uh, food. We talked about attractions. I think when it comes to photo ops, we didn't really touch that as much, yeah. but you can sprinkle all kinds of cool wreckage or items from around. There's, I mean, with a show that's 50 plus years, there are so many great references. You can, you can bake into the park with the theming of, of all the rides. Um, all I know is I want to visit. Like I'm, I'm excited to, to go to this now. So when does it open up? Like when, when can I know more?
1: <laughs> well, it depends on your perspective on time, I suppose. Uh, oh yes. Uh, that, that's a, that's that's a great point. Uh...
0: <laughs> I mean, really, I, just, I feel like there's so much to, to play with here right. and you know, you put in a few rides, you put in some restaurants, you um, you get people, you get the characters and the monsters and maybe like a mini museum and you're good. Um, One thing that I do want to touch on earlier, which I didn't get a chance to come back to that, you said which reminded me of something is um some ride or experience that's like the um guardians of the galaxy mission breakout collection where it's like you walk in and there's like all these cool props and relics from throughout history are sitting right there in front of you whether it's an in-world experience or a slightly out of world experience as a museum to me that would be really cool because seeing those things is really awesome whether like i said there is part of some sinister characters mission or just a cool museum that would be really cool um uh, other than that i mean i feel like i like i said i'm rare and ready to go for this thing i <laughs> i kind of know what i would get out of it i have an idea of, of kind of how to build it and if anyone listening to this wants to put together the doctor who theme park email me let's talk
1: 100 <laughs> i do think it, it it's a universe that allows for a lot of play and so kind of once we set up the pieces and we have all of our favorite action figures on the table we can come up with tons of storylines you know every three months we're adding a new expansion essentially, which all you can, you know, if you just move this doctor into that location and, you know, a bunch of these Daleks into that area, now it's Daleks fighting the Cybermen or, you know, you can mash things up really well. And those, those flavors might be uh, unique. They might not have happened on the show yet, but they'll feel natural and it'll, they'll, they play nicely together because everything is built on a canvas of time travel. So the world is your oyster, you know, it's, it's like super smash brothers or something where it's like, there doesn't need to be any story reason, but we can come up with one um, for why this is happening, why this, why these characters are meeting each other and how they would solve problems and how they would fight each other, essentially. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's just so much room for remixing and adding new elements and tying back into the canon and pushing the canon in new directions and even adding new stuff too. It could be a cool place to almost like workshop or uh, get audience feedback on like, what would you think of a doctor who is, who behaves like this. Like maybe there's new doctors or alternate dimension doctors or different kinds of villains that haven't been seen on the show. Um, I'd be interested in seeing more of like the great vampires, for example, nooks and crannies of the universe. We can explore as much as we want to. It's, it's a wild universe. It's, all, it's the big ball of timey wimey stuff. Anyway,
0: <laughs> um, the uh, one thing that, um, that I think would be really interesting is, you know, you mentioned Canon there. And I think a really great example of a ride Disney has that just tries to make itself as awesome as possible despite the canon is um, Star Tours, right? When When you get on Star Tours, you've got all these possible different scenarios that you can go on when you go on this ride. And a lot of them are just impossible, right? Like you're going straight from an episode one scenario to an episode nine scenario. And it's like, well, this canonically doesn't make any sense. There was no Star Tours cruiser there at the Battle of um, whatever battle this was. Right. Um, but that's okay. I think with theme parks, people are generally like a little willing to like spend some disbelief. So really here, like if you want to have some epic battle between, you know, Cybermen and Daleks, or if you want to do, you know, have the, some doctors meet up that have never got the chance to meet up before, this is a fine time for it. And the goofiness of the show and the fact that the show is literally a time travel show where theoretically anything could happen means you can build a lot of that in here. And I, I don't want to just say like throw everything, everything to the wind because, Uh, Your super fans will recognize that and they'll be like, "Um, why doesn't anything at your park make any sense? But like doing some of that, I think um, properly and having fun with it really leads to a lot of happiness and excitement. And um, yeah, I can imagine if you had a ride about three doctors teaming up who never teamed up before, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in for this. I don't care that it's not canonically accurate. And there's no way it could have happened. You have my attention.
1: Yeah, that's that's absolutely amazing. I really like that. And it's kind of like uh, there's just so much potential for storytelling here. And as a park guest, you not, might not be able to tell your own story, but it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure where you at least have some control over it. You get to choose what attraction you go on next, for example. So each person's story is still different, even if the park is set up the same way that whole day. Each person's experience is going to be different. I, I think that's such a cool, magical thing for the for the theme park. We've reached the end of our theme park. I think I'm, I'm impressed with how far we got, given that there are almost no creative restrictions, you know, it's, it's, we, we started, we put something on the canvas. I think uh, there's a lot of room for the theme park to expand and evolve over time (laughs) and throughout space. (laughs) Uh Um, But (laughs) I think we've got a really good base going here and hopefully the, the audience can help contribute to this theme park's future and add more creative ideas to the universe. Uh, But you can find the show on social media at amusement sparks. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit r slash amusement sparks uh and facebook uh also youtube i don't say that one very much and then also sparks.com. if the audience was interested in learning more about you or uh or hearing your thoughts where could they find you online gavin
0: yeah please let me know what you think about the park and which episode i missed a delightful part out of that would make a great theme park ride because there are so many so many great ones um you can find me on twitter at gavin verhey and mostly i'm just everywhere at my name so twitter instagram um, you can find me all over I also have a YouTube channel called Good Morning Magic where I do um, videos three days a week about magic um, and you can come find me on there They're short little videos about behind the scenes at Wizards and I just want to say thank you so much for having me on it was a lot of fun I guess to talk about something I don't get to talk about that often and I'm a huge theme park junkie so anytime you want me back to talk more theme park stuff let me know and let's try and make it happen
1: dude I'm I'm blown away by that that would be super awesome thanks for being on my pleasure
0: What is your background? What inspired the show originally? Man. I'm sure you've told the story at some point. No,
1: you're good. Um, I actually don't know if I have told the whole thing. I know I've told bits and pieces, but uh, I worked in retail management. I managed, I worked at toy stores in management roles, and then uh, I got into education. So not exactly related, but I've always been into like kind of whimsy and like uh, making things fun and like themed entertainment type stuff has always been cool to me. And I got on this big kick researching Walt Disney. Because I drew a lot of inf- inspiration from him and what a huge impact he's, he he made um, it, and in the worlds of entertainment as far as movies and then also themed entertainment with theme parks. And originally the show was going to be called The Next Walt Disney. And it was basically like spotlighting new creators who could have a huge cultural impact. Um, and then eventually after enough like prototype episodes or just talking to friends about that topic... We all decided that no, there can never be another Walt Disney. Like no single human will probably ever make that big of a an impact unless there's some huge, you know, disaster that wipes out the rest of our culture. Uh, so we were like, well, there probably will never be another Walt Disney. So that's a dumb concept for a podcast, or else it's really boring. <laughs> you know, like we're on the search for the next Walt Disney and we never find one. Uh, so then, I—it's I, like the opposite of unsolved mysteries. And they're <laughs> like, well, I guess it was—it wasn't aliens this time. Yeah, it, which is which is just sad because it it re, it removes the mystery and the excitement and the unknown. You know, it's just like we're proving this sad point. Um, so I wasn't interested in that, but I was like, the fun part I was excited about was spotlighting this creator and kind of imagining what if their current, you know, little media empire or whatever they've done that's so amazing and artistic and successful. What if that that expanded out into a theme park empire? In other words, like what if this was an alternate universe where uh, you know, the people who invented adventure time were in Walt Disney's place. Like instead of steamboat Willie, we had the pilot of adventure time. Uh, what what kind of world would we have? What would that version of a theme park be like? And I was like, well, that could be its own show. We just brainstorm a theme park based on someone else's property. So then we don't have to worry about all the the realism and, you know, getting approval from the PR department and, um thinking about budgets and like we don't want to give away these cool ideas because we might actually do this someday whereas this show is just a fan creation so we can leverage that power of of fandom and like almost the, the power and fuel that goes into like fan fiction and fan creation and fan games and mods um of just people who love the content and don't have any legal right to it so they don't have to worry about you know protecting that you know connection or that property wow so that was long-winded but uh Yeah, I just, I like theme parks and I like media properties. I super love (laughs) it. Well, thanks, man. Um, Do you have an idea for a name of this place? Because the show is called Doctor Who. I don't exactly know why, but I assume because the character's name is The Doctor. And so humans would instinctively say, or earthlings would be like, Doctor Who? Like, what's the last name of The Doctor? So what would you call the theme park? Doctor Where? (laughs) Uh... That's so dumb. Cut that out.